0: that's exciting um if you're here looking for pastor brian hedges uh you're in the wrong place he's in boston today uh he's on a mission trip and uh they're getting a lot of things done i think they're going to give an update on the trip here in a little bit but uh i'm i'm jason i'm one of the uh, adult bible fellowship pastors here and uh, brian asked me to preach and uh, of course i jumped on it I, i love to share the word of god but uh um, I don't want you to think that uh, uh, I'm, I'm Brian. Brian is, uh, we've got a special pastor here at HBF and I want to make sure you guys understand that. Uh, uh, I'm just a normal dude uh, that uh, I love the Bible. Uh, I love what the Bible says and I love the way that the Bible can uh, take uh, an ordinary person uh, and transform their life and uh, give it purpose and everything else and so uh, everything I do everything I say I want you to take with uh, the grain of salt that I don't have anything figured out uh, but the word of God does and I allow it uh, every day to make me a little bit more uh, like he is and so let's just uh, let's go with that because if you're like well I don't know if that really lines up with Jason's life. Well, if if it doesn't, I'm working on it. So let me just say that. So if you've got your Bibles, open up to uh, Genesis chapter 22 today. And so if you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you're a guest and you didn't get a guest bag, uh, grab one on your way out. There is a There is a guest card in there. Brian would love to get in touch with you and and everything but uh Genesis chapter 22 is one of the most well-known uh chapters or story uh in the Bible. Most uh most non-Christians could almost tell you uh if you gave them a little bit of a hint what happens in Genesis 22. And it's when Abraham offers his uh son Isaac. And so uh, it's a really cool story. We're going to we're going to springboard from there, but it's not so much what happens uh in in him offering his son that i want to talk too much about today uh it's it's what led up to this point in abraham's life too often in the bible uh or when we're reading our bible because i know we're all bible scholars at hbf and we get in the word every morning uh bright and early or, or whenever we do we're in the word every day we're, we're really just living this thing out i have faith in y'all that's what we're doing right and so uh uh too often we read a story and and we take it just for face value. And you should do that. You should take the word of God for face value. Uh, it's not written in hyper- hyperbole. It's not written in uh, in allegories or anything else. It's written in a way that God says what he means and he means what he says. And that's what I like about it so much uh, is I don't have to read between the lines. But sometimes we have to back up a little bit and get a little bit of context as to how we got here. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to read the first few chapters uh, or verses here in uh In Genesis chapter 22, and I don't, I don't really want to talk about when Abraham offered Isaac. Or even how old Isaac was when it happened. We can have that debate some other day. We can, we can talk about how Isaac just completely laid his life down, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. We can talk about all those things a different day. That's not really what I want to look at today. Uh, I want to look at something a little bit different today. And so if you're a title uh, person, uh, I didn't give uh, you much heads up. There, There wasn't an outline made until well, yesterday, uh, I had a lot of things rolling around in my head, but uh, life's been crazy. And so uh, if you want a title, uh here's your title for today. Where is my worship? And uh, I'm not talking about my worship. I can ask myself that question. I want you to ask yourself this as we go through this today. Where is my worship? And we'll get to what that means in a minute. Genesis chapter 22 in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things. Well, that right there should give you a heads up enough to say, What's he talking about? He's obviously referencing something that happened before this. But uh, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Another interesting thing, because he does have more than one son. But uh, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. That's a big ask. Verse three. And Abraham, he didn't debate. He didn't do any of it. He says he rose up early in the morning and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering. He didn't even, you know, conveniently forget the parts that he knew he was going to need to make this happen. He says he clave the wood for a burnt offering and, and rose up and went into the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, I'm sure that's a coincidence because that's how your Bible works, not really, but then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. And Abraham took, or let's just, let's just stop there. This is the first time in your, in your King James Bible that the word worship uh, is mentioned. That's interesting because It can be said that most every major doctrine in the Bible can be found in the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis. Uh, Well, that's because worship was actually established before Genesis was ever written. Uh, God the Father was getting worship before any of your Bible was ever written, but that's a story for a different day. But the fact that he waited until Genesis chapter 22, until this story in particular, to say, I want you to go worship Abraham. Abraham was first brought into the the Bible uh, in chapter 12. Right? His name was mentioned in the chapter before that, but we really get to, we really get to meet Abraham in in chapter 12. So God has spent 10 chapters going through the life of Abraham. Uh, and it took until now for him to get to the point where he says, hey, Abraham, I want you to, to go and and take Isaac and, and you're going to go and you're going to worship. That's what Abraham calls it, right? You're going to go and worship. And so this word worship is, it's really confused in the society we live in today. I would even say, uh, that it's confused in the church today, we call that uh, our 1030 service, the one we're in right now, uh, our main service. We call it our worship service. Is that because we sing songs? I mean, sure. Is that because we open the Bible and preach? I mean, sure. But um, if, if you were here at nine, you went to a class that did the same thing. Maybe you didn't sing, but uh, you opened the Bible, I, I promise. Uh, so so why, why is it that that makes it worship? Worship is something that... In, in our society, we've we've in our brain said worship is associated with this or it's associated with that or it's not associated with that or that. And what we need to understand is worship is, is not what we make it. Abraham didn't say, hey, uh, guys, I want you to stay here uh, and wait for us. Me and Isaac, we're going to go up here on the mountain. I hear there's a church up there and they're going to have a service this morning. And uh, hopefully they've got the whole band going. Right. Because that's where we find worship. No, that's not what he says. He doesn't say, hey, we're going to go up there and find a church that doesn't have any band because, you know, that completely kills the worship. Those are personal preferences, right? He doesn't say we're going to go up there and find one of them churches where we raise our hands up high and wave like we just don't care because that's worship. That's not what he says. He says we're going to go up there and worship. The problem is in the society that we live in, we say, well, you can't have worship without X, Y, and Z. If James or Ron doesn't get up here and sing songs to us in the morning, then that wasn't a real worship service. Well, that's, that has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with it at all, actually. Worship is, is not tied to any one thing, unless that one thing is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to make sure you understand that. It's interesting that it took till chapter 22 for God to bring in this word, worship. And as interesting as it is that he waits till chapter 22, uh, I think it's as interesting that he didn't say it anywhere leading up to this point. Right. Even though that we associate worship with so many different things, he didn't mention it in chapter one where God created man. Yet we live in a society where man worships man more than anything. Right. Whether it's yourself or somebody you see on the TV screen or you hear on the radio or anything else. You didn't hear worship then you didn't hear worship in chapters one and two when God gave us food. A lot of us worship our food, right? I'm hungry too. I'll be done on time, I promise, right? He doesn't. He doesn't mention that uh, it, when he when he gave us food, he doesn't mention it in chapter two when God gave us animals, or dare I say, pets, because you know I know a lot of people who they're pretty excited about their pet, right? Yeah, even a little bit on the side of, of worship. Uh, he doesn't mention it in chapter two at the first marriage. He doesn't say that there was worship going on there, even though at times I think we worship our marriage more than we do our relationship with Christ. He doesn't mention worship in chapter 4 when we see the first children. I think you see where I'm going with this. A lot of us, man, we really we worship our kids. He doesn't mention it in chapter 6 even when it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The first time that we find out that somebody really got a hold of God's heart, got a hold of God's attention. It's interesting all the places that we don't see worship. And it makes me even that much more... Uh, wanting to find out why he does say it in chapter 22. Why does he wait until now to get to where he's going? Well, why does he wait till 22? Well, let me just, let me boil it down for you because worship's never been about us and worship will never be about you. It won't ever be. Worship is not taking what's important to you and propping it up. That's what the world does. They say that we worship this because we've, we've put it on a pedestal. We don't need to put Jesus on a pedestal. He's already there. We don't need to put God on high because he's already there. God's in his rightful place. Are you in yours? That's what we have to ask ourselves. Worship's never been about us. It's not us taking something and propping it up. It's the opposite of that. Worship is putting those things down so that God can have his rightful place. That's why we worship. That's why we come together on Sunday morning. Not because the praise is great. The praise is great. Not because uh, things go off without a hitch. Uh, the drums fell apart this morning, right? But we still moved on. Uh, in spite of all of our downfalls, God's still on the throne. God's still in his rightful place. The question is, are we in ours? Where is your worship? So how do we get there? Because that's what, it, that's what really, when I read the Bible, when I study the Bible, when I take time to to really find out. It's easy to say, okay, in chapter 22, it says that Abraham, he went and he worked, him and Isaac were going to go and worship. We know that eventually he offers Isaac or he's willing to offer Isaac so much so that he believes that God will bring him back from the dead, is what it says, if he was to actually go through with it. But we're not going to get into that. How do we get there? How do we get to the place where Abraham was willing to lay down the most important thing in his life to get to a place where it's like, All you, God, and nothing of me. How do we get there? That's the question I want to answer today. It took Abraham 25 years of following God to get there. Now, that might be a little bit of a, you know, a buzzkill for some people. It's going to take me that long. Well, it doesn't have to. Right? If you're young in here this morning, I want you to pay close attention because I don't want it to take as long as it took me. I don't want it to take as long as it took your parents or anybody else. But then if you're somebody who has been saved for a while, I want you to also know, man, it took Abraham 25 years. There's still hope. It doesn't matter who you are. Grab a hold of what God's trying to say today and do something with it. Right? Do something with it. Worship is not about showing up to church on Sunday. Right? Worship's about something bigger than that. It's something bigger than just sitting through the service so I've I've checked the box and got on, right? It's something more than sitting in your seat, working on your your fantasy football lineup or wondering where you're going to go eat lunch or whatever else. Worship's about saying, here am I, send me. And you're like, well, what do you mean send me? I'm already here. Okay, well, that means that you're ready to be sent, right? That's what you're doing. When you show up on Sunday morning and you say, God, here am I. He wants to send you and maybe that's just back to the job tomorrow. Are you ready to be sent? It took abraham 25 years To worship like this. Hopefully it doesn't take us that long So here's what I want to do today. I've got five things I want to show you out of abraham's life It's really basic. It's really simple. It's just something that you know, I backed up and I was like, okay So how did he get here? I've got five things that Keep you from worship That keep you from the type of worship that abraham had when he went to the mount With his son isaac right five things that keep us from worship if you've got your bibles i'm not going to do a ton of flipping today we'll stay within the first few pages here because i want to make sure we stay on time flip back to genesis chapter 12 genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 this is where we meet abraham this is where we find god say abraham there's something special about you and it's not you it's what i'm going to do with you make sure you understand that in your life there's something special about you god called you out by name he shed his blood on the cross for you but that's about as special as you get. There's something special about what God wants to do with you, right? God wants to use you in a way that you can't even believe. Now, I don't want you to take that and say, well, you know, Jason said that I'm not special, right? But we're all special in God's eyes. But you want to know what's going to make you do something great in the world? It's not because of something you did. It's because of what Christ is going to do through you if you'll allow him to do it, right? Make sure that you understand that point. Make sure you're singing the song that says he overcame and not the song that says that you're an overcomer because you can't do anything without Christ inside of you. Make sure you understand that. For the first thing that we're going to they're going to find that's keeping us from that type of worship in Genesis chapter one or Genesis chapter 12 and verse one is not being obedient to God's will for your life. Not being obedient to God's will for your life. Genesis chapter 12 and verse one, it says, now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house into a land that i will show thee he basically says abraham or abram at this point uh, i want you to take everything you know everything you've ever done and uh, do the opposite of that we're going to do something different and what's he do he says he, he he's okay and i will make of thee a great nation and i will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and i will bless them that bless them bless thee and I will curse him that curseth thee and in uh, thee to all families of the earth be blessed We know this is the establishment of the Abrahamic covenant this Abraham is going to be the father of the nation of Israel right We understand that there's a historical a doctrinal and inspirational uh, teaching to every passage right uh, we understand that Abraham doctrinally is going to be uh, the father of the nation of Israel, right? We understand historically he actually was a guy who lived on the earth and, and did these things. But what I want to look at today is more inspirational because, uh, well, I wasn't there then. And how do I make that apply to my life? It's going to have to be inspirationally, okay? And so the first thing that's going to keep you from worshiping the way that Abraham did when he got to the mountain in chapter 22 is you have to get to a point in chapter 12 where God says, hey, are you ready to go? Are you willing to not do you anymore and and do me are you ready to go this way not being obedient to god's will for your life as the first thing that's going to keep you all of these things that we go through these five things are going to be tied to god's will for your life because well to put it the most black and white that i can because that's how i am you're never going to have true worship without walking in god's will you will never have true worship You might come to church and come to the worship service. You might play Caleb on your radio. You might do all of the things that the world calls worship. I'm telling you, you will never have true worship in your life if you're not walking in God's will for your life. Make sure you understand also, very quickly, the difference between God's will for your life and God's plan for your life. God's will is the same for every person. If you're lost, it's to get saved. If you're saved, it's to get sanctified. I'll get more in depth of what that means here in a minute, so I'll get back to that, but... uh, God's plan for your life, well, that changes, right? Uh, The day you get saved, God has a plan for your life. The best thing for you on the day you get saved is to not know that plan because it'll terrify you, right? It'll scare you to death. It'll make you say, I will never do that. You're you're never going to use me for that because that scares me right god's plan is different for every person He might say that this person is going to be a missionary This person's going to be a deacon This person is just simply going to be a really good testimony to the people he works with and he's going to come to church on sundays, right? He's going to raise his family godly god's plan for every person is different It doesn't mean that you can't be anything that god desires for you to be but god's plan for every person is different Not everybody's going to be the pastor, right? Not everybody's going to be you know, that's how that's how we fit together in the body of Christ. God's plan for every person is different. And if you're concerned about what the plan of God is for your life, get in the book and find it, right? He wrote it down for you. Go find it, right? Go find it. But that's the difference between God's will and God's plan. I want, you make, I want, to, I want to make sure that we, we hit, we're tracking with that because we're going to talk about God's, God's will for your life today. And so you can do, quote unquote, godly things out of the will of God. Did you know that? You can do what the world sees as godly things completely out of the will of God. You can come to church. You, hey, let me just ask you this. Now, I don't think it's anybody here today, right? I don't want to put anybody on the spot. But somebody in here at some point in their life has strolled in here on a Sunday morning and had no desire to be here. They were completely checked out on any of it. You know, maybe it was the first day of the NFL season. I don't know. They were worried about what was going to be on TV here in a little bit. Or I, I don't know, right? I'm Uh I'm, I'm just... I love football as much as everybody else, so I can say things like that. I'm not throwing shade on anybody. It's it's all good. We've already seen the Chiefs lose this week, so it's all good. Um, (laughs) We even stayed up to watch it. (laughs) You can do godly things out of the will of God. You can work in the ministry out of the will of God, right? You can do all of those things out of the will of God. I'm not here to tell you that that's a good idea. Actually, it's a terrible idea, but you can do it. God won't bless it. You can come to church, you can work in the ministry, but let me be honest with you. There are a lot of people living the, the Christian life on their own terms, and there's no worship to be found. Right? There's a lot of quote unquote Christians, saved, born again, that are living life on their terms. God's saying, hey, did you read this? Did you see this? Are you willing to take that step? And they're like, yeah, maybe someday. I'm not, I'm not ready. You're living life on your terms. I'll get to it when my kids grow up. I'll get to it when uh, I get discipled. Or I'll get to it when you fill in the blank. I don't know. There's a lot of Christians living life on their terms, and there's no worship to be found. Not like I'm not saying you're like Jonah, where God says, go, and you're like, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. So much so that I'm going to go the other way. Right? I'm not talking about Jonah, but maybe a little bit more like Judas, where God says, come on, and he's like, okay. But the whole time, there was just something in his heart that wasn't quite right right we don't want to be that type of christian we don't want to be that type of follower where god says i want you to go and you're like eh, i guess be excited about what you're doing you know people will go to the stadium and and they'll scream and cheer for something that has no eternal impact i've been there with them Well, we come to church and we're just like man is this guy going to get done i'm hungry right Is this guy going to be excited about what God's doing? And I'm not talking about what I'm saying. Be excited about what God is doing in your life. And you might be like, well, God's not doing nothing in my life. That's probably not God's fault. Just throwing that out there. That's probably uh, you not willing to step into the game. Right? There's a lot of Christians watching from the sidelines because, man, if I got in the game, it would take effort. It would take, uh, well, want to, and I don't really have any right? That's where a lot of Christians are. That's where a lot of Christians are. Don't be like Jonah, but don't be like Judas either, where you say, yeah, I'll follow, but have no intention to actually follow. Neither one's any better than the other. They both should have said no. The first thing to keep you from worship is not being obedient to God's will for your life. So the question is, how do we know if we're actually doing what we're supposed to be doing? Because there are people that just—they're just like, man, I want to do the right thing. I want to read my Bible. I want to—I want to know what God's telling me to do. I—I I, I want to be in the right ministry, and so I work over here for a while, and then I feel like Brian saying I need to go over here, and then there's a need over here, and I don't know what to do, and I just want to be involved. But am I doing the right thing? And well, let me just boil it down. Ask yourself this: What did God tell me to do? Not what did God say, HBF, I want you to do. Now, yes, God will use the church to guide you in the right direction. God will use your pastor to lead you in, in certain things. But what did God tell you to do? When you said, God, I think I'm ready to get in the ministry. Did you actually seek God's face on what that would look like? Now, I still haven't found the chapter in the verse that says you need to work in the children's ministry. Because if we did, we would say that a lot more, right? We would quote that verse. But God will lead you through his word. Exactly where he wants you to go. What did God tell you to do? And then let me just make it really easy for you. Do that. Whatever it is that God said, I want you to do that, just do that. And do that with a smile on your face, even when you don't want to. Do that when it's hard. Do that when nobody else wants to. Do that when everybody's getting glory over here and you're like, well, maybe I should go do that. Do what he told you to do, start there. You want to know the first thing that's going to keep you from worshiping God the way that Abraham did? It's not being obedient to God's will for your life. Because too often we want to be obedient to God's will for that person's life. Well, I want to be obedient to God doing that. That's much, that's that's much more sexy. Everybody sees that, right? I'll go do that. Or I don't want to do that. There's nothing good about that. Be excited about what God called you to do, right? Whatever it is. And we, we came in and we, and I had a really good time doing it. We came in and we cleaned the church last night because it was our our class's turn to do it. And as much as I love cleaning the church, that's not really what I love about coming to clean the church. It's the, the fact that uh, the class gets together and we usually have a whole bunch of food, right? I mean, my wife can cook really, really well, right? I, and most of you guys know that. Um, but why would I... Uh, want to stay home and have one dish of pasta when i can have six different dishes of pasta and have them all right we get together we have a good time there's fellowship involved but back to the point sometimes uh cleaning the toilet is not the the most like yeah this was really fun right sometimes mopping the floor in the foyer wasn't just like man this is how i wanted to spend my saturday evening uh but you know what we did do Uh, we cleaned the church and a really short amount of time we vacuumed we did all the things Steve. we really did we did all the things Paige even cleaned the glass uh but we got together and and we had a bunch of food and we went out and we played volleyball we had a good time because um worship isn't about the things you do it's the people you do it with right it's about where was god through the whole thing it's about how your heart was while you did it what is it that god told me to do just do that Okay, the next thing, uh, flip over to Genesis chapter 15. i got to keep moving because we're going to follow Abraham's life through this thing. Uh, Genesis chapter 15. It says, And after these things, the word of the Lord came into Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am my shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus? He's like, didn't you remember you said I was going to have a son, and there was going to be so many kids that like there was more of them than... Like, I don't even have any kids. If I was to die today, my heir is this guy who's not even of my family. Verse 3, And Abram said, Behold, thou to me thou hast given no seed, and, lo, one born of my house is mine heir. And, behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and toward the stars, and if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And Abraham said, whoa, and he believed in the Lord. Sorry, I added that. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it for him righteousness. The second thing that's going to keep you from worshiping the way that Abraham was worshiping on the mount was not understanding God's will for your life. It's one thing to just not obey it, right? But it's another thing. Ignorance is bliss sometimes until, well, you had every opportunity to learn it. Not understanding God's will for your life. Abraham knew what God told him to do, or Abram at this point. God gave him clear instructions. This is what I'm going to do through you in chapter 12, right? He knew what was going to happen. He knew what God told him to do, and he knew what God said he would do. There's a difference. It's not just what God says you're going to do, but he says, this is what I'm going to do. He just couldn't figure out how the two went together. God says, Abraham, I want you to leave everything you know and follow me. Okay, that's what he wants me to do. And if you do that, then I'm going to give you a name, a land, a seed, and a blessing, right? The four things that come with the Abrahamic covenant. And Abraham's like, okay, or Abram, uh, okay, God, uh, this he wants me to do this, but then there's all these other things that need to get done, and man, they're just not happening, right? Uh, we need to get this thing in motion. We need to see some things happen. The same can be said of a lot of Christians. We know what God said to do. God said, You fill in the blank. I don't know what God told you to do, but we know what God said to do. And we also know what God says he will do. God says to follow him, right? Get saved, be sanctified. And then he also says that uh, he's going to reach the world. That's what it says. And so we take upon ourselves that I myself have to reach the world. You need to do what God told you to do and be a part of reaching the world. But don't take that on yourself, We spend our entire life bouncing around like a ping pong ball, looking to save the world with the Eleazar that's in our house that isn't even of the promise that God gave us, right? We have good intentions with bad follow-through. You ever been there before? I used to play golf. I don't anymore, mostly because of time. I I like to play golf. I had great intentions. of the ball ended up in the fairway every time. But there was always something about the follow-through, man. It just never ended up where it needed to go. Good intentions, bad follow-through. But back to the point, what is God's will for my life, right? If you're lost today, you need to be saved. God's will for your life, if you're lost, is not to be a better person, right? Uh, God's will for your life, if you're lost, is not to, uh, you fill in the blank, be a better wife, a better husband, be a better whatever. God's will for your life, if you're lost, is to get saved, and that's it. That's the only thing that God desires for you, because without being a child of his kingdom, it doesn't really matter. Right. But the second that you get saved. God's got a different will for your life, and that's to be sanctified. And that's that's that means to be set apart, to be more like Christ every day, a little bit more like Christ every day, a little bit more of him, a little bit less of me every day, a little bit more. Sanctification is a lifelong process. If you're somebody in here that's like, yeah, I got saved. That was great. It happened in a moment, in an instant of time. And then I got sanctified. That took me a couple of weeks. Um, Well, you're still working on it, I promise. Sanctification is a lifelong process. It's something that we're always striving to be more like Jesus. Find out what God wants you to do and do that until he tells you to do something different. Abraham's like, I know that we've got this big plan, God. right? You're going to use me and we're going to do all these things, but it's not happening, so I'm ready to start helping you out a little bit. right? Because you're not really coming through And so he hasn't said that yet, but he's getting ready to. You're not really getting it done, so how is this even going to work, God? You ever ask questions like that? God, I know that you say you're going to do that. I know you say you're going to use me, but I don't really feel it happening here. And so how is this even going to work? Is your word even real? Should I even believe what you say? If you haven't asked those questions, you're probably lying, because I have at points in my life. If we don't learn to have peace in this point, this point of just do what God tells you to do until he tells you to do something different, work in this ministry until he tells you to move over there, minister to this person until he tells you to to not like just have peace in what he is, until we learn to have peace in that point, it will always lead to problems. And you're like, well, no, it doesn't always. Yeah, let's go to the next point. Let me show you how it always leads to problems. Flip over to chapter 16, just walking through this whole thing. Abraham's just walking through you know there's there's several other things that we're skipping over. Abraham, you know, he's just trying to figure life out. You know, uh that's what I like about the Bible is sometimes it shows you when guys don't get it right, and then it's like maybe there is hope for me because I don't always get it right. You know, you know, I'm not talking about the time that you know Abraham was scared for his neck, so he called his wife his sister three different times, willing to just put her on the, the chopping block if need be. Uh none of those things. Abraham he he was trying to figure it out, but genesis chapter 16 the first few verses we find out the next thing that's going to keep us from worshiping the way that abraham finally ends up worshiping in the mount is trying to do god's will your way trying to do god's will your way genesis chapter 16 and verse 1 it says now sarai Abram's wife, bury him no children. Okay, we're we we we're starting to see there's there's an issue here. There's a fertility issue. Something's going on. There's no kids. Abraham's worried about it. He's like, I'm going to have to give all my stuff to this guy, Eleazar. Uh, what am I going to do, God? Now Sarah, she's really starting to worry about this thing. Um, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarah I said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. It's the Lord's fault. I pray thee, go into my maid. If it may be, or it may be, that I may obtain children by her. And Abram said, I don't think that's the best idea, Sarah. No, wait, that's not what it says. And Abram says, okay. He hearkened to the voice of Sarah. And Sarah, or Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. He's been following ten years, and he still hasn't quite gotten it all figured out. And gave her to her husband and Abram to be his wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. Can you imagine that this happened, right? That she was not happy about this. I mean, the writing was on the wall. It was never going to be a good idea. And Sarai said unto Abram, my wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between me and thee. And Abram, he's just like, I don't know what to do. He said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her face. Trying to do God's will your way never ends well. Never ends well. We know God's called me to, to do this. He said do this. Okay, do it God's way. It might take a little extra time. It might take a little extra effort. It might take a few extra tears. I promise, do it his way. Don't try to do God's will your way. Sometimes when we overthink things, it leads us to overdo things, right? I've got this problem at work that it's just like, I can't ever just focus on the task at hand. I'm always just, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm doing what I'm doing right here. Uh, and then I'm also thinking about what we're going to be doing next Wednesday because, you know, it's always about where we're going to be, what's going to happen, uh, do I have everybody lined up and the next thing I know I got a nail in my hand because I'm not focused on what I'm doing, right, or something along the lines, nail in my foot or that's Tyler's foot, I don't know, it's just, that's just what happens, right, it, we, we, we overthink things and it leads us to overdo things. Maybe in relationships, we tell ourselves, God, I'm, I'm not getting any younger. Are you gonna bring, bring me a spouse? Is it time? Or, God, I, I'm not really making enough money here. Is it time for a new job? Or how's this supposed to work out? Or, God, I'm not really feeling like you're blessing this ministry that well. I know you told me to come here, but, uh, am I supposed to be going over here and doing this other ministry? Because there's a lot of people getting saved over there. And, you know, what am I supposed to do? And we overthink things and we overdo things. And the next thing you know, you're like that ping pong ball. You're bouncing around. There's no peace. When we don't have peace in God's timing, it leads us to quote-unquote do something instead of waiting on God to do something, right? When we don't have peace in God's timing, it leads us to do something instead of just waiting on God to do something. The problem is God didn't say do something. He said do, you fill in the blank. What is it that God told you to do? He didn't say do something. He said do that. So are you doing that? Because I would focus on doing that until he tells you to do something different. We spend our entire lives overcorrecting for the last bad decision, right? Well, that was a really bad decision, so now what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go this way and not make that anymore. And so it's like the pendulum just keeps swinging, and we're overcorrecting for the last bad decision, which leads us to overcorrect for that next bad decision, and you find yourself so far away from true worship, that all you wanna do is just quit. I don't even wanna follow anymore. I don't wanna come to church anymore. I don't wanna do it anymore, because it seems like everything I do is just wrong. Do what God told you to do. That's what happens. This is what happens when you try to do God's will your way. You end up with a proverbial Hagar in your life, which leads to a proverbial Ishmael in your life, which leads to a side of proverbial mad at you for listening to her in the first place, Sarah, in your life. It's not good for anybody. Abraham, he's just in a real predicament here. And it's only his fault, right? It's not Sarah's fault. It's not, just do what God told you to do, Abram. Stick with that. Right? Just do that. Find peace in that, Abram. It's not a good place to be where Abram's at right now. So let me ask you a question. How do you get out of the cycle? Because some people in here are in that cycle. They're just like trying to find even. They're trying to find ground. Feet on the ground. Firm foundation. I feel like everything is spinning around me. Everything's going. I don't know what to do. How do you, how do you get out of the cycle? here's the best thing that i know to tell you to do and it seems like i'm telling you the same thing over and over again maybe there's a reason maybe there's not i don't know go back to the last thing that you absolutely know that god told you to do well i've done a lot of things since then okay but i'm telling you go back to the last thing that you are positive god said do this not to the person next to you go back to the last thing that god said do that And do that, start there, until he tells you to do something different, right? Because if not, you're going to end up with a whole bunch of Ishmaels in your life, right? Like little ducklings following you around, like, what are we going to do now? Well, I don't know, because I don't even know what I'm doing. Okay, go back to the last thing that you know God told you to do, and find peace in that. Because there's nothing worse, I can speak from experience, than being a Christian who's supposed to have the right answers, and feeling like you're completely lost because i just i don't even know which way is up right now and then there's people looking to you for answers and go back to the last thing that you know god said do this and have peace in it okay do that trying to do god's will your way is never a good idea the next thing that's going to keep you from worshiping the way abraham worshiped on the mount Genesis, go to the end of this chapter, Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to roll into the next chapter. Here's the next thing that is going to keep you from worshiping. It's never fully believing and submitting to God's will. Never fully believing and submitting because they go hand in hand to God's will. At the end of chapter 16 and verse 15, it says, And Hagar bare Abram a son. Okay, well, we knew it was going to happen. And Abram called his son's name, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was four score and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Four score and six, that's 86 years old, okay? In case you were wondering if you didn't know. He's 86 years old. The very next word that the Bible records is chapter 17 and verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, there's been 13 years of radio silence. God said, I'm going to use you as the leader of my people. And there's 13 years of radio silence. You think God's joking around when we just choose to do whatever we want, do his will our way? There's a problem there, a major problem. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make a covenant between me and thee and multiply thee exceedingly. So he comes, God comes back after 13 years and he's like, okay, Abram, let's have a talk. He reinstitutes the Abrahamic covenant. It comes along with circumcision now go back and read it for time's sake and i'm going to fast forward towards uh where i want to get to this but he he comes back he reinstitutes the whole thing he says you're no longer going to be called abram i'm going to call you abraham your wife she's no longer going to be called sarah i'm going to call her sarah right and and he goes on and uh let I me mean, fast forward he says you're going to have a uh, circumcision is going to be instituted as a sign uh and then uh It's a physical sign at that time. It's a spiritual sign in the New Testament. Verse 15, chapter 17, verse 15. And God said unto Abram, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram's like, yeah, okay, sounds good, God. That's not what he says. And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before thee. And God said... I'm not playing, son. I'm serious about what I say. Verse 19, And God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant, and with his seed after him. God says, I'm still not playing around with what you did with Hagar, and that's not how this is going to go. Never fully believing and submitting to God's will, right? Right? That's the next thing that's going to keep you from worshiping. You don't truly believe something unless you're willing to submit to it. You might say, oh, yeah, I believe that. But are you willing to submit to it? Because that tells me if you're really willing to submit to it. And you're not. And you're never really going to submit to something or someone unless you believe it. The two go hand in hand. God says, hey, Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. And God's like, or Noah's like, okay, I believe you. But it wasn't until he submitted and started building a boat that something actually happened, Right? God tells Moses, hey, uh, I want you to take all my people and get away from Egypt. And the best way to do this is to cross the, you know, the ocean, the Red Sea. And, okay, I believe you, God, but I don't, it's not until they took that first step, the waters parted. God tells Joshua, hey, the best way to, uh, to, to, to make this city fall down, Jericho, uh, is not to, you know, besiege it like we normally would here. I want you to march around it seven times. And then here's the kicker, yell really loud. It'll work. It works every time. Can you imagine Joshua going back to the people and being like, okay, so here's the plan. Uh, we're going to yell really loud. And God's going to be like, yeah, it's, it's going to work. They're probably like, we're going we're gonna to find a different guy here, different leader here. Sorry. Believing and submitting go the same. They go hand in hand. My wife always wanted to go skydiving. I always thought she was nuts. Like, jump out of a perfectly good airplane. I don't know about all that, (laughs) right? I believed that there's been a lot of people that have jumped out of an airplane and lived, right? But it wasn't until I was willing to, a couple months ago, I'm like, you know what we're gonna do? This is something you really wanna do, let's go do it, right? And so I don't know if you know anything about skydiving. You you don't just roll into this place and they're like, here's your parachute, have a good time, right? It doesn't work like that. Uh, (laughs) They actually, uh, they want you to uh, uh, skydive with somebody. They call it tandem skydiving, right? And so really, you don't even get to wear a parachute, right you're actually strapped to the guy who wears a parachute and uh you just uh along for the ride right you're just along for the ride uh the guy does all the work and so uh you jump out you're tied to him you know, and, and you jump out of the plane it's the, it's the craziest thing in the world and the best thing and most people are like what the best way that i can uh tie this to something that, that kind of makes sense is uh skydiving is a lot like walking in the will of god and you might be like what are you talking about?" Uh, I had absolutely no control of what went on. I didn't have control of when the parachute got pulled. I didn't have any control of uh, whether we lived or died. I had no control over any of those things. I just submitted and I believed, right? And uh, I did it, not because I really wanted to. I would do it again a 100 times now. It was, a, it, was the, it was the craziest, the free fall was the craziest 50 seconds of my life. And then when they pulled the chute, it was like the most peaceful five minutes of my life till we hit the ground. That's what the will of God is like. Until you figure out how to just submit and follow, it's the craziest 50 seconds, 50 years you fill in the blank of your life. You're kicking, you're screaming, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to live or die. I don't know what's going to happen here. And when you're finally like, okay, God, you can have control. And he pulls the parachute. And it's just like, I can see things in a whole different perspective now. It's got a lot to do with the fact that it's not coming at me at 400 miles an hour, but I can see things in a different perspective now. I didn't have control in the first place. God's had control the whole time. That's what the will of God is like. When you finally give it up and say, God, you can have it. Now, I'm not telling everybody to go jump out of a plane. If it's for you, do it. If not, I don't know. The hardest thing about the whole thing was watching my wife jump out of a plane before me. And I'm like, well, I hope that worked out. (laughs) But I mean the will of god is just like that abraham went 13 years without hearing from god after his sin with hagar how much worship do you think he had going on his life during those 13 years there probably wasn't much the problem was that he thought that after 13 years of silence god came back to him and he was like okay god finally got on board with my plan here god finally figured it out ishmael's here we can do this thing He thought that after 13 years of silence, God had finally gotten on board with Ishmael, but that was not, that was not the case. The same is so true in the lives of a lot of Christians. They think that eventually God's gonna get on board with their sin. But it's just not the case. They think eventually that, oh, well, I mean, if I live with this person long enough, God'll just, you know, it's, it's common law marriage. We'll just, it'll, God'll bless it. Right? I can, I can just continue to do what I'm doing and eventually God'll get on board. Right? That's not how it works. Are you still stuck in trying to get God on track with your Ishmael plan, whatever it is? Do you find yourself where you're just like, man, I just wish God would get on track with what I'm doing here. And God's like, I wish you'd get on track with what I'm doing here, right? Keep kicking and screaming. It's fine. Eventually we'll hit rock bottom. Or, you know, at any point you want to say, pull the chute, we can coast from here. You need to believe and submit to the fact that God... Has an Isaac for you if you're ever going to just follow him. Stop trying to hold on with whatever your Ishmael is in your life, whatever it is, and believe that God's got an Isaac for you, something completely better if you would just take it and run with it. The last thing that's going to keep you from truly worshiping God the way that Abraham did. Fast forward to chapter 21. I didn't see this. I read through this chapter a lot of times. I didn't see this till this last year when I was teaching through HBI, actually. And sometimes you just don't see the forest because all you see is trees, right? Well, guess what? It's because you're in the forest. But sometimes you just can't see what's obvious because what's in front of you, right? And so Genesis chapter 21, Abraham, he's lived some more years, and it says, And the Lord visited Sarah as he said. Can you believe that? God said he was going to do something, and he did it. It's the craziest thing ever, right? God said, I'm going to do this, and he did it. And the Lord visited Sarah as he said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken For Sarah conceived and bare Abram a son in his old age at the set time which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac being eight days old, as God commanded him. And Abram was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that uh, hear will laugh with me. And she said, uh, who would have said unto Abram that Sarah should have given... Children suck, for I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abram made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned. Here's the good part. Verse 9. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian. This is Ishmael, right? He's, if you caught on, 13 years had passed. He's 13 years old now. If you know anything about what 13-year-olds do, well, you know about what 13-year-olds do. But anyway, uh, <laughs> It says uh, she saw him mocking. I don't know what he was mocking about. It doesn't matter. He was mocking. He was making fun of the whole situation. And the thing was very grievous. I'm sorry, uh, verse 10. Wherefore she said, this is Sarah, unto Abram, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Well, some people look at that and they're like, wow, she's really riled up. Well, I mean, she's actually following God, but you know. Maybe Abraham will get on board. And it says, and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight, or Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham, and this is what we tend to not hear, and we need to just sometimes listen to the still small voice that says, it's okay, let it go. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman, and that Sarah had said unto thee, hearken unto her voice, for in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, while I make a nation, because he is thy seed. Verse 14, this is where... We need to get. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And sent her away. The last thing that's going to keep you from having true worship the way that God wants you to have true worship is this right here. It's not forsaking the sin that has kept you from God's will the whole time. We can know what God said to do. We can know when God said to do it we just don't ever get there because God just continues to put a roadblock up and a roadblock up. And we're like, well, I thought you wanted me to do this, God. God's waiting for you to forsake the sin that's kept you from his will the whole time. He's wanting you to just lay it down, right? You can't have those two things in the same house. You can't serve two masters. Even after God fulfilled his promise, Abraham was hesitant to break ties with his sinful past. If that doesn't relate to somebody in here or everybody in here, I don't know what will. God's faithful. Are we willing to just break ties and move forward? It's no coincidence that chapter 21 has to come before chapter 22. And it's not just because that's how numbers work, y'all. This had to happen before Abram was ever going to get to a place where God said, are you really willing to follow me? Because up until this point, he knew he wasn't willing to follow him. He wasn't even willing to lay down the sin. It wasn't until he finally laid it down that God was like, okay, now are you willing to follow? Are you willing to lay it all down? If you don't break ties with that sin, now that sin is different for everybody. And you know what it is in your life. If you're not willing to break ties with whatever that sin is for you, you're never going to have the opportunity for true worship. Some people under, in here understand that because they've gotten to that point. And some people in here, they're just, they're just, man, just beating their head against the wall. They just don't get it. And they're just waiting. Like, is God ever going to be faithful? And God's like, hey, I am faithful. Are you ever going to follow? I'm willing if you just would just take it, right? Would you just take it? What is it in your life that's keeping you from going all in? That's keeping you from getting excited about what Jesus is doing? The same way that you excited about, you know, whatever it is you excited about. And let me just tell you, it's okay to like Jesus and football. It's okay to like Jesus and whatever it is that your hobbies are. Does Jesus come first is the question, right? It's okay to have hobbies and to do things. God created us all individually in different ways. Does Jesus come first? When it really boils down to it, does Jesus come first? What is it that God has got in your, that is is in your life that you're just not willing to lay it down? Confess it and forsake it. God desires us to have true worship. The way that you get when you get to Genesis chapter 22. The way that you get when God is on the throne and it doesn't matter what is in your life that's really important to you. Like, you know, Isaac, who I had to wait 25 years for. You know, the only son that I've got. What is it in your life that, like you're not willing to lay down because you're never going to have true worship until you do god says i'm on the throne come and worship me right and it's okay to do that because you can have the same attitude abraham did in chapter 22 where he says you know what i'll lay him down because i believe that god has got enough to bring him back because that's the god i serve and whatever it is that you're holding on to i just can't I can't fathom not going to everything that my kids do. I can't fathom not being a part of every aspect of their lives. I can't fathom not whatever it is that you're into, right? Right now we've got three teenagers. You know what we do? We follow our three teenagers basically everywhere, sports, you know, academics, all the things. Praise the Lord for that. I love my kids to death, but God has to come first, and they need to know that God's coming first no matter what. What's keeping you from being chapter 22, Abraham? Most everyone in here, I don't even have to like pinpoint and say, what is it for you? Because you're like, yeah, I know. I'm never going to tell you, but yeah, I know. What is it? Most everybody in here knows the answer to the question. But, But my question is, are you really willing to lay it down today? Are you really willing to have worship the way God intended worship to be? Or I guess you can just come back next Sunday pick up the next episode of hbf church right and it'll be here the week after and the week after because you know what god's faithful but i'm saying at some point in your life go all in allow jesus to do things that you didn't even know he could because he's that real he's that faithful if you'll just lay it down God says, I want everybody to worship the way Abraham did. I want everybody to be willing to lay down what's the most important to them. Why? So I can give it back to them. Right? It's not that you have to, like, deprive yourself of the things that you love. It's actually the opposite of that. God says, I want to give you those things back. It's the same way that um, we get these crowns in eternity, Right? And it's not so we can just walk around with like six crowns on our heads and like, hey, look at me, I got all these crowns, right? It's so that we can give them back to Christ. God wants to know, are you really willing to give it all? Because if you are, I'm faithful enough to give it all back, right? Stop trying to pull your own parachute because I'm telling you what's going to happen is you're going to end up face first on the ground. Be willing to allow the will of God in your life To be god's will for your life get on board with that and let me just tell you you can coast the rest of the way down and when i say coast uh, watch out for fiery darts and all i mean i didn't tell you you were jumping into a battlefield and you know there is some craziness that happens and all of that but guess what Uh, it's worth every moment of it if you'll just buy in right you just have to buy in some of you are like man that really makes sense some of you are like i'm never going to do it okay I'm not here to twist your arm. One of the hardest things as a a pastor is to know that somebody is drowning. Say, "Hey, I've got something that will help you float. Here, it's it's a life vest." And you're like, "No, I don't want that. I mean, oh, oh, it'll it'll help. Not going to do it. Okay. You can't want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves." I'm asking you today: Are you willing? to go all in for Christ. You might be like, well, I already have. I promise there's another level you can take it to. There always is. Are you willing to lay it all down for Christ? Let's pray. Father, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for being good to us, Lord, and just giving us in samples in the the word of God, like Abraham, who didn't get it right so many times so that you could grow him and mold him and change him into who you desired him to be. Lord, it's it's times like that that we can say, why?